the thing that separates me isn't the thing that can be measured, which the, the tangibles that you can see on me are the things that can be measured, but you can't yeah. measure how hard I go in, into things and it kind of plays itself out. you know. It's time to get inside your own head. Begin with the psychology behind your behaviors. Infuse it with an acute understanding of self-awareness, emotion, storytelling, body language, and more. Then look at it all through the lens of the latest neuroscience research broken down to its most digestible form. And you've arrived. Enhanced messaging, deeper connection, heightened influence, and a greater impact on the world. Welcome to the Amplify Podcast with Renee Rodriguez. Welcome everybody to the Amplify Podcast. And today we have a really super unique individual that's joining us today. Not only do have I fallen in love with this person as a human, but now my entire family, all my kids, they happen to be a huge fan of him. This is none other than Austin Eckler, number one running back, most touchdowns last year, number one fantasy football and on the cover of fantasy football. But I gotta be honest with you, man, none of that stuff matters to me. When I met you, you were just an incredible person. So welcome to the Amplify Podcast. Renee, I appreciate you, man. Ever since I've met you, I've seen nothing but good things, follow the content as well ever since I've met you. So uh, I appreciate you as well um, as a human because what you're doing is is definitely impactful. So that's why I'm excited to jump on this podcast. Let's talk about making impact. Let's talk about our stories, man. I'm looking forward to it. I love it. I love it. And that's when we first met, we were at uh, Neil uh, Dingra's forward event. Shout out to Neil and the people he put together and, and also met because of the amazing Dave Meltzer, who uh, is just just at the center of so many positive, good, influential people. When I say good, I'm talking about good at heart. A shout out to all those people. So let's get into this. So now you are finding yourself, you're in football season. And I want to point this out. You're the beginning of football season and you're still working. You're still doing podcasts. And I mean, this is how many podcasts now today? Hour. I mean, I just got done with a two-hour marathon where it was jumping from podcast to episode, ESPN, Sports Center, all the major ones, and then had some team calls. Actually, started my my day at 5:30 a.m. with an East Coast call um, with my team out in East Coast. So it's kind of how my days have been built up. But it wasn't always like this. So it's been a, a build. But um, yeah, so pretty much all day. I love it. And so let's talk about. It. I want to just give us a brief journey on how you got to the NFL because I'm sure it was really easy. Yeah, it was actually, no, it was, no. So I have a unique journey and I think it actually kind of shows where a lot of my perspective comes from. And I was never trying to make it to the NFL. And so now I have this saying, like I accidentally made it to the NFL. Mm. And it's because when I was growing up, I grew up out in the country in Colorado and, you know, think of the middle of nowhere and I'm on the outskirts of that. Like my, Mm. I live 25 miles away from my school. And I'm talking like my closest neighbor is a mile away. I'm out, you know, where there's a bunch of rattlesnakes, tumbleweeds and and grass and dirt. And we have some livestock out there. And that's important because I didn't care for livestock, but my mom's husband at the time was big into the cowboy life. So I grew up in the cowboy life around the livestock and he was gone all the time building barbed wire fence. That's what he did. He had a barbed wire fencing company. And so I was back home. I was kind of like the next man up type of mentality of the house. And those, those are my responsibilities. Go pitch, pitch hay for the horses, go feed and water the cows and take care of the chickens. So that was the home life that I grew up in. So I was on a farm. You had, you have farm, farm work ethic. Farm, yeah, big, big farm and ranch vibes. That was my home life. 
And so we didn't watch the NFL. Like that wasn't a, that wasn't a thing that we did where it was like, yeah, NFL or any pro sports really. The only, I guess the only pro sport we watched was the PBR, uh, mm. which is professional bull riding. And so that's <laughs> what we watched. So I grew up watching Chris Shivers and that was like my, like my idol. I wanted to be like Chris Shivers. And then I started to get a little bit older and rode three bulls and realized that wasn't for me. Uh, yes. I, I was terrified. How old were you when you rode 13, your bulls? 13 oh, when God. I rode my first bull. Uh, so it was a, it was more of a calf. It wasn't like a full grown 2000 pound bull, but still, still a big animal still was terrified. Yes. <laughs> and so growing up in that atmosphere, it really kind of shaped my mind and gave me a different perspective of what hard work was compared to when I would go into, you know, into town and eat in Colorado and, and go to play sports and things like that. That was what my mom was into. So she got me into a bunch of sports. She's a, she's a school teacher and then has since been divorced as well. So she was a single school teacher at the point raising two, two of us. And, you know, it, she got us into all these sports, but my mindset that I had created had really taught me that like, you can always kind of do more. Cause when, when it was the summer uh, and we were building fence with uh, my mom's ex-husband, Craig, this guy was the hardest worker I've ever met. Like it was, mm. it was a toxic, I did not like him, but he did not, he did not stand for any mediocrity. Like you were running, like this man's running from post to post, like clipping up fence, like he's got a jog going. And if you're not wow. doing the same thing with the same intensity, you're going to hear about it. Um, or you're getting your ass whooped. Like that was, that was what it was. And so when you, when you're like that and you're young and you, you're brought up in that atmosphere, you, you get this, this, you know, mental toughness that is kind of just caked around you and you kind of get forced into a position it, to, to you deal know, with isn't it. Isn't it funny how the things that, because I, I, I talk a lot about parents that are trying to shield their kids from how they grew up. And, but yet it was that sort of work ethic that I'm, I'm going to assume that also drives how you practice and how you play. And it was in those moments of suffering with him out there on the ranch, running from post to post, hating every moment of it, that actually probably is one of the best gifts you ever have right now because hard work doesn't scare you now. Exactly. 100%. Mm. And if, and if we fast forward this, you know, this life in my childhood here, right, I'm applying the same hard work ethic to everything that I start doing. And I know I want to build something for myself to get out of the situation that I'm in that's toxic. And so I'm like, okay, let me build towards something for myself one day. Cause if this guy can do it, he didn't even go to college or anything like that. I'm like, I can do it too. You know, and I'm not talking small jobs. I'm talking like 26 miles along the railroad. Like we're, wow. we live in a camper, we wake up, we go work, we, we mm. fish, we're fishing at, at lunchtime. Right. And then we're back to work until the sun goes down, get up, do it again and again and again. And then, you know, I would have some football camps here and there. And so uh, when it did come time to school, played football was kind of overlooked out of high school, probably because of my location, probably my size as well. And it kind of, relates to what I have today that really separates me that wasn't able to be measured. And that's really my heart and my, my work ethic, like we talked about, which really separates me from everyone in my field to this day, even though I'm, I'm a 5'8", 195 pound body. And if you look at all my teammates, you'd say, wow, these are huge humans. Well, they are. And I'm why, why am I able to have success with what I have? Because I've kind of been dealing with whatever tools I have at the time, that's what you use and you got to go get it done. And so it's played itself out over and over in my life in the, in the football world. And so ended up getting my way into the, the Chargers camp and, you know, applied that, that same ethic and then ended up making the team. I mean, you said you're 5'8", you said, right? 5'8", yeah. 5'8", and as a running back. There aren't many 5'8 running backs, are there? Uh, the, so it's actually funny because now there's a guy for the Cowboys that his name's Deuce Vaughn. He is 5'5". Five five. Oh, wow. He's 5'5", five five and he actually made the team. He's actually a stud too. But no, yeah, me and Deuce are probably some of the shortest um, in the league. Yeah, there's and not. What was your what was your 40 speed? 4'4", four, 3". Four, so I was fast, but not like blazing fast. Yeah. 
So but what is it about that? Because because and I just got to ask because it's like you 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 have none of the things going for you. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, if you were, if you were to look at me, you'd be like, nah, that guy's not a football player. Like if you were just looking at me, and I get it all the time. People see me, they're like, dang, I thought you'd be bigger. And you know, because they they see this persona that is out there. You know, this stud, and he does all this stuff, and he's in the community, and and it's like me as a person. Yeah, I'm still five eight. Five eight is five eight. But you're assuming that I'm on this big, you know, statured hero looking figure. Um, and then you see me and you're like, oh, what the heck? It's I go back to the same thing I said earlier. It's like the thing that separates me isn't the thing that can be measured, which the the tangibles that you can see on me are the things that can be measured. But you can't yeah. measure how hard I go in, into things. And it kind of plays itself out, you know, with even when I was telling you about my my interview schedule on my off day, like this is my off day. And it's not necess- it's not an off day. Like mm-hmm. there's no necessarily off day. You know, there's downtime. But for me, right, everything is everything's wrapped up into how I live my life. And it's all about these principles that I learned when I was younger and how to just continue to grow and continue to build. And it's not only in one direction, it's, it's multiple different avenues. You and I actually had this conversation in Vegas around what, what I like to call the dark side. And it's, there's this, whenever you get into elite performance of anything, especially in, in every professional athlete I've spoken with, and I've got several really good friends that do this and we've all had the same conversation, but even, you know, I played a little bit of college basketball but even anything like that, when you find yourself, there's this sort of dark side, and I call it dark, not as in like the dark arts, but there's this like place where your mind shifts to a very different place to be able to perform and to face and to do things that most people aren't willing to do. Tell me about that and what that looks like for you, because I know that when you put that football uniform on and you put that helmet on, so there's a switch that goes off. Tell us about that. <laughs> And, you know, being, being in sports, you know, you kind of get put into this like Coliseum type of feel this, you know, like this atmosphere where it's like competitive people are watching, cheering, booing, right. All of the emotions that play out within it. And as a competitor, you kind of have to keep your composure and continue to go forward no matter what happens. And I've been around those type of atmospheres for so long that now it's not necessarily a switch at the beginning, but as you get around it, you can really put yourself into the zone when you start to figure out what that is for you. And it's, it's, I really like, instead of like a switch, like think of it as an intensity of your focus, you know, it's an intensity, like you're turning on where you're hyper-focused and I can't even see the 60,000 people around me because I'm looking forward and I'm looking like, I got to run through these guys that are trying to run through me. And so when it comes to football, it's the perfect opportunity to really practice this intensity. And I've been obviously playing football for a long time now. And so I've kind of mastered this where, I mean, I can flip into football mode right now and freaking punch the screen and I got to go. Like, you know, there's this urgency, (laughs) there's this intent with urgency. So when, when it comes to game days for me, it's like, okay, I kind of go from this like kind of cool collective guy where it's like, all right, we are about to go into battle. And if these guys can hurt me, they will try to hurt me. That is what they are going to try to do, right? They're trying to put me into the dirt. I'm trying everything in my being to not go into the dirt. And how do I do that? I do that with my fundamentals of my training, my preparation, my, my knowledge of the game and my skills that I have within this body. And I'm going to put everything that into that to make sure that we're in an advantageous place or the most advantageous place because sometimes it's not good to go forward and go through these people because that is what our Mm. job is. I'm on the offense. I play running back. I have the ball in my hands. We got to score touchdowns. And how do we score touchdowns? We got to run through bodies that are going that way. When when we're in the NFL and you play running back, like that's the intensity you have to have. And if you don't have that, I'm challenging you in our locker room and I'm challenging you in our meeting rooms. And if you don't have it, you're probably not getting on the field because you're probably not going to you're probably not going to like me. 
and you're mm. not going to like me because that's the intensity it takes to be great. And if you're not, if you're not trying to, and you're too lolly lolly gag, and you're like, oh, too trying to have too much too much fun, this ain't the league for you. That's kind of my intensity and right yeah. my attention to that to that dark side. So to speak. you said there's 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 an a narrowing of your attention, and and I'm gonna get I'm gonna go to the science for just a minute because a lot of our listeners like the science of this. We we talk, I've talked a lot about this concept of attentional narrowing where they when they study the elite like you they used to think and the hypothesis was that your your spatial awareness expands so you can see everything but what they found was the opposite is that it narrows in on the objective and the goal and the next thing that's happening and you even did that with your your hands you narrowed in and everything the periphery goes away you don't even hear the, the the crowd you don't care what people are saying and i used to tell people i can always tell who's going to win a fight by how they walk out and if the person is like looking at the audience like this they're not narrowed in and you remember mike tyson the only thing that existed was that person in front of them and you, you there's just no distractions there was there this this attentional narrowing and we can actually create that by just staring at a dot on the wall for 30 seconds and your brain starts to align and then you move it to 60 seconds and kids with ADD, if they can get them to practice that, it's actually a really powerful tool, but runners do it, you know, Mount Everest, you don't look at the, the apex, you look at the next mile point, milestone yeah. and where's the next place that I'm going and how do I get to the next piece and the next piece and the next thing you know, you're at the top. But I love that attentional narrowing, but then you, there's this, and I think you can hear it if you're listening to this, the, his voice shifted. And if you watch the video, which I hope you do, you see his face, he got clearer and it, the, the, the smile kind of went away and there was this intense urgency is what you used, an intense urgency. And, and I'm, I'm going to team you up for all of this. And the last part that you, that I saw you is that if you don't carry the same intense urgency, you're not going to like me because one, I'm going to call you out Two, If you don't have it, you're not going on that field. And I didn't hear in any sense that you care what they think about you. At this point in my career, we're beyond emotions. Like I, I don't, I don't care yeah. at all. This is, this is a, this is a battle for our livelihoods to me. Like it's not just a game. It's different for people, but for me, it's a little bit different. And that's why I've been able to make it as far as I have, because it's not just a game for me. Like we're, we're, yeah, we're playing football, but that's how I treat it is this is my livelihood. This is what everything rides on. This is how I build my reputation. This is how I feed my family. This is how I build wealth. This is how I build other opportunities for me off the field, which is more important than how you feel about me. And so mm. if, if you're, if you're not ready and you're not preparing the same way I am, then I have, I have good enough relationships with my coach. I'm like, nah, bro. Like, no, no, no way. No freaking way you're playing this guy over me. Uh, I will take all the reps before you put this guy in because he will be detrimental to the team. And if the team is losing, that means that's a reflection of all of us. And yeah. your ass is on the line too as a coach and you can't put him in. I love the the commitment to excellence and the unwavering commitment to excellence. And I think that there's a piece of this where, you know, there's a balance where there's different parts of life where we have to be really conscious of people's emotions and how they feel. And, you yeah. know, it's good to have empathy with people and relationships. But then when you opt into a certain uh, agreement in this agreement is professional football that in that the rules are different the rules are we have all agreed to play at the elite level which means that emotions don't have room here that this is not this is not about feelings this is about results and there's an intensity level there that's and, and it's literally it's really why at that point i think it's not about the skill because there might be people faster than you even stronger than you but they don't have that x factor to be able to yeah. go to that place because there's levels to it, and and you know this, uh, and you you've actually just mentioned it. You said w with within the confinements of football, right, at a highly competitive, right, you know, sport, like it's a di you're put you're in a different realm, right. So the expectations of your intensity and your attention to detail and the results are are high. 
you know, as opposed to other professions. And so within that confinement of that atmosphere of my life, yeah, I have to step into that intensity, which also gives me benefits in other places too, where I don't have to be as intense, but I can still use some skills like the focus yeah. part to, you know, focus on other things and continue to utilize it in other aspects of my life as well. I'm curious on your side, if you have anything in your professional career right now where you really lock in and have that, it might not be to the same level, or maybe it is because it's all perspective for us, right? Like, do you yeah. feel like you have something where you go to that? And is it like, can you elaborate? hundred percent. Yeah. And it's, it's when you're, so there's not a physical side to it. Uh, obviously when you're a speaker, when I'm not saying you're going through bodies, but you're going through landmines of political issues. You're going through landmines of people either on your side, you're thinking about hecklers, you're thinking about people that have passive aggressive behavior potentially, but you're going against other speakers and other people that either want you to win, don't want you to win. But more importantly, you're carrying, think about this, this is what people don't understand about keynote speaking. And when I, people say, I want to be a keynote speaker, I said, okay, so let's, if, if you really, really get into it, if you really want to know what it's like, I said, here's what it is. There's a reason why a keynote speaker is paid 100x than a trainer, right? A trainer is a dollar an hour per activity, but a keynote speaker can demand 50 to two to $400,000 for an hour. Why? Well, the company has chosen you and they're going to give 100% of the attention of their entire company, all their resources, fly people. 90 to $100 a gallon in coffee, all of these things, hundreds of thousands, not millions, and say, we're going to give all that attention to you for an hour. Can you hold it, our attention? Can you add value? Can you move the needle? And, you know, there's all these questions. So yeah. the amount of pressure on that hour with just one person is massive. And so people ask me, why do I get intense when it comes to my work? Because I'm, I'm super laid back when it's not there. But when it's work and when it's client, it, there is a game time piece to it that, it, and, and, and here's the thing, do I have to be that way? No, but there's a reason why I get paid more than most other speakers. Yeah, question on that as well. I guess there's different styles because we're talking about two different professions, but in within that, do you feel like even though a company has pick, picked you because maybe they did their due diligence, do you think that also put you in a position to kind of on the fly build your relevance for people that don't even know who you are. I feel like when you, just by speaking to someone, you can kind of tell like the mm -hmm. intensity that they bring. And if, if people are like intent, like there's ways to be strategic with it too. I've been watching the videos and the pitch and right, your body language, things like that. I love it. Um, Cause all of it is sending messages. And so I just from I just from the outside in know that what you're doing is super intentional and everything that you're doing is so methodical and thought out because it's you're demanding the room and you're also in a room where people might not know you but you can actually by the end of the time they you've legitimized yourself within all yes. of those little actions and so you you're hyper focusing on that so I can see it playing out through the building of legitimizing yourself on a stage in real time with people that yeah. don't even know anything about your background. Well, there's, yeah, and you, and you nailed it. There's two pieces. One, if you're the one that's selected, you must be valuable if you're the one selected, yeah. but then there's this, okay, show me why. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I love you, that's, and, that's so good. That's good. But then here's the crazy part is that you have to actually let that go. The moment I try to impress you is the mm -hmm. moment I've lost connection with you. And so there's this dichotomy of massive intensity, but then surrender. And they, there's, and I think this might apply, has to apply in, in sports too. I mean, is where there's a discipline and surrender. There's a discipline to be as good as you are and to put the, the, the fundamentals into play and to put the work in and the reps. Like people say, how long does it take to create an hour talk? I said, well, it takes a month to do 10 minutes. So it's six months to do an hour talk. And it's like, whoa, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a process. There's the discipline side. 
And if you've done the discipline at the time of performance, you got to hit surrender. That means you got to let go and you can't be trying. You just have to be. Mm. But Mm. it's hard to, to, to surrender if you haven't implied the discipline. And so then it, they kind of go hand in hand, but the, the overlap of those two, if you think of a Venn diagram, mm-hmm. in that middle section would be flow. If you can mm. have the discipline and the surrender, you enter flow. Because I get, guarantee you there's times that you play ball and you feel like you're floating on air, like everybody's moving in slow motion around you and you can just maneuver around them. There's something happens in the brain where your perception of time slows. And when your perception of time slows down, you move differently and it's not is fast it's almost like remember that movie spider-man when he gets his powers and what's his name yeah. punches him and he's like hmm. and he's just staring yeah. at the face he's yeah. like, like huh. yeah and that's it's coming great back. it's you so know, relatable so I think, too i bet so tell me about that because it definitely happens in speaking where you, you get off and i think musicians experience this too when they, yeah. they put on the discipline to become a virtuoso but when the song comes there's this full expression of everything they've learned and they don't even remember what they did right and uh, I, I think you hear it a lot in, in the sports world. It was like the game slowed down for him, you know, like, or mm-hmm. for her, you know, like, what does that mean? Well, physically, the game never slowed down. And you can compare it to, you know, me being a rookie coming into the league where I'm just really trying to figure out, like, how to get, you know, into a routine and how to become a pro and how do I, you know, conduct myself in this in this professional manner now to hold this high standard. And I'm really just thinking about all of these different things that might not necessarily matter, or I'm not thinking about the things that actually do matter. And I'm not able to really focus. I'm thinking broad. I'm looking broad as you said it. And it's because I haven't had the time and haven't put in the time to get the experience to know mm. what to look at, to know what the steps are supposed to be, to know what type of defense we're playing. So I know what to expect, what type of defensive coordinator, what type of offense are we. So they like all of these things that you're talking about, the preparation that have been building up. Now I'm going into year seven. And so now what the game is to me now now I'm really tunneled on, okay, we're running a we're running a run play to the left. It's a wide zone. I know, okay, we have these two people that I'm looking at. If this happens, that happens, right? It's not that the game slowed down, but mentally I'm able to process the things that mm. matter quicker so I can yeah. move on to the next one. And so now I'm already on. And then also, not only does my not only does my mind go, but then now my body can follow. And so that's that meshing, that flow you were talking about. You got to get the mental part, which is in the classroom, the preparation, but now you got to put in the physical part. So they come together and I'm in that flow. I'm in that rhythm. And then once you do that for so long, it becomes second nature because the game doesn't change, right? The game is still the football. Football has been the same for, you know, forever, but you know, you as a player has have beginning more, more meshed with kind of how you can have success within the game. So Man, that's so relatable. So uh, that's great Love points, that. man. It's almost like it's it's there's a it's almost a chess match where when you when you first learn chess, you're thinking one move at a time. Mm-hmm. Then you get a little bit better. You're thinking, here's what I do. This is what they might do. And then you get a little bit better. Well, if I do this, then they're going to do that, and then I can go do this. Now you're three moves. But imagine being five hundred moves into that. Well, if they do right. this and that, do this, that, do this, that, this, that, and this, and you're you're calculating that in an instant, mm-hmm. which you know. I, is that what's happening on the football field almost unconsciously where you're saying, okay, you analyze, you, you, you're gauging distances, you're looking at speeds, you know what people's look look like, and then this is what's happened, Ben, I've done this, this is the things to expect, and your body's already five, 600 moves exactly, ahead. Exactly, exactly, and I'll just take you through like one play. Like if yeah, I'm, let's if do that. Justin, Justin Herbert, he's my quarterback, he's under center, which means he's right next to the quarterback, right? I'm seven yards behind him in the backfield, and we're running like an inside zone, which is like basically up the middle to the left. So there's these things called techniques, which we call, 
well, like how the defense is playing next to the center, the guard and the tackle. So let's say there's someone right next to the guard or, or center, the guy who's hiking the ball to the left of him. So we call that a one technique. And if that's a one technique, okay, I'm watching how my center Corey plays on this guy. Is he going to get around him to the front, to the left, or is he going to try to block him out? And then based off of that, now I look, this is all pre-snap before the snap happens. If, okay, mm. I see that, I see as far as, okay, I see there's a one technique. Who's outside of the one techniques on the D-line? Okay, we have a five technique. That means the guy's a little bit wider, and we have a three technique on the backside, right? So, okay, okay, if I go back, now I have a tighter technique on the backside, so now I'm probably coming all the way back. If I'm staying front side, okay, there's a five technique, so I'm probably going to get around the one but try to get upside inside the five based on how our O-line's trying to block it as well. And so all these things that as a rookie, I would have been like, whoa, but now, now that still seems like a lot. But for me, I've been doing this so long. I get up there and I see that within half a second. I'm like, yep. Okay, here we go. I even talked about the linebackers and then the safeties and where are they tilted to? And so you start to add layers of your understanding. And then Mm. not only do you add the layers, but you add efficiency within the time you have to process those. And that makes you so much more efficient and so much more comfortable. Now, when you get to that level, you can speak it too. You can speak the language. Like I can come back to my coach and say, this is what I got. And now he's getting good information. I'm building trust with him because he knows that I know what I'm talking about, which now we're talking about, you know, different benefits that happen in life. If you can able just to speak the language and that gives you opportunities. Cause guess what? If he trusts you on the field, you're probably going to get more playing time that goes for anything. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just like, I, I hope people are listening to this to, to, there's 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 a couple things you can listen and admire, which I hope you are, because it's I'm in, I'm in in awe admiration of this. And anytime I watch a professional anything, an elite athlete, you know, military, anything professional, I love it. But then there's also okay, how do I get to that? And here's the secret: it's not fast. You don't skip your way to the top. There's no hack to experience. This is a real big thing. Everyone's looking for life hacks. There's no hack. There's no cheat code to experience you're going to learn some techniques but you still got to put the reps in someone can tell you hey little 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 tidbit but you got to put that tidbit to work and to start seeing it out there over and over you can't skip the reps and the repetitions and the practice and doing all that stuff and how many times did you have to go out there so you go okay i've seen this a few hundred if not thousand times yeah and look if you i go out there i'll still see it some and when you get it wrong in football you get punched in the mouth like and it doesn't feel good and you're getting you literally get hit in the mouth uh if you're in the wrong spot right time or wrong time right it's, you didn't do that preparation so in football there's more of like a negative effect immediately you know and it's important to to understand that if you don't start getting in these in these places where you can continue to build and practice experience unfortunately it might take you a while to learn that you know, you were going down the wrong path or maybe a path that wasn't as advantageous. And so I think of my rookies, like my rookies that come in and they see me as a finished product of seven years of playing in the NFL. And they're like, wow, like you're so good. And look at all the stuff you've done. I'm like, it wasn't always like this. It's taken me seven years to get to this point. What you need to focus on right now is learning, like just learn how to be a pro. Like, yeah, you need to go out there and be physical and, and do that. But that you already got, you already did that part. That's why they brought you in. But now what's yep. going to separate you is right here in your habits and how how consistent you can be with those. And so I always tell I them, get that. in my pocket, get in the coach's pocket, make sure you're learning, make sure you're applying everything you learn. Because if you're just go like if you go up every single day and talk to the special teams coach or your running back coach and be like, coach, let's watch practice together. I want to learn from things that I've wanted. And that's what I did my rookie year. I went up, I told my head coach, I was like, I'm going to make this team. And 
you know, my, he kind of chuckled. He didn't even know my name until I made the team. I was number three to him. And so that's, I was like, I take it back a little bit. I was six string on the depth chart undrafted. They didn't, they didn't even know who I was. I'm I'm wearing number three. Who is this kid? You know, like I said, the things that separated me weren't going to show up until we actually got on the grass, got into the meeting rooms and I became obsessed with it. I'm talking to my coach. I'm asking questions. I'm staying after I'm putting in all this work and, I knew for me, it was like, I'm going to try it because I don't want to have any regrets. Little did I know then that what we're talking about right now was I was building up that rapport of continuing to know how to work, continuing to go down a path that was going to build something for myself. Man, it's it's something that the earlier you can recognize and start yeah. and get on that path to build, <laughs> the more you're going to thank yourself in the future. You know, it's interesting. I just got back from uh, an event in Mexico and great company. And there's this just goes back to the, those experiences and and I've, i sometimes will do five events in mexico in a year and so i i, I said to him i said we're going to do our walk through the night before they're like well you just want to do it the morning of i'm like i said let's just do the walk through the night before and i said it'll make sense when i'm there so i get there we walk through literally get off we get off the plane take the, the shuttle we arrive and they meet me in the lobby we check in and I, we go straight to the room and they've got there's they're setting up and i said i go if, if you don't mind, can I give you some, some insights? And I go, you're going to want to turn the air conditioner on tonight. And they go, okay, I'll talk to somebody. I said, but let me warn you, they're going to fight you on this. They're not going to want to turn it on. And they're going to say, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. They're not going to do it. So you're going to have to hustle and bustle, finagle your way to the person who actually does it and ensure that they turn it off. And they go, why tonight? I said, well, how does it feel in here right now? She says, it's hot. Well, they said they'll turn on in the morning. I said, well, you're looking at a monster facility here that will not heat up in time. Your CEO will be here tomorrow, most likely in a suit. And his people that he just spent, what, half a million to a million dollars to get everybody here, flying in the plane. And then he's going to look at the experience that he has one shot, shot at and everyone is beginning to sweat. It doesn't matter the content now. It matters that I can't even, why am I wearing a suit? I am dripping wet. And she's looking at me and I'm like, so I go, we should turn it on tonight and we got to make sure we do that. And she, and she goes, the guy's right there. And she says, Hey, can we turn it on? She goes, uh, no, we turn it on in the morning. And I looked at her, she looks at me and she goes, well, who do I talk to, to turn on now? And I just, I just chimed in. I speak Spanish. So I said, you know, and I just said, Hey, I go, we need to make sure that we get this on tonight. And I was really nice because they're, you know, we speak Spanish. So all of a sudden they're like, oh, cool. And, and mm-hmm. I said, who's the person that turns this on? And they go, oh, we got to talk to Armando. So we get to Armando. Armando comes in. He's like, you want it on now? I'm like, yeah. He goes, I go, but can you do it with us? I said, our boss, well, he'd be really upset. It was hot tomorrow. And he goes, okay. We walk over, turn it on. And she comes back. She goes, I'd have never known that. And I'm like, no problem. And I didn't say yep. much about it, but I go, this is, that's the experience. And it's so simple yep. until you're there. And it's like, you can't fix hot yeah. in, in a professional environment. And so- I'm not comparing what I'm doing to running down, you know, you know, scoring no, it, a touchdown. It, it, NFL, it but. is all the same, right? You're talking about things that are simple but make the biggest difference. I'm talking yeah. about, you know, different techniques. They're so simple, so small things that when you're watching TV, you have no idea, but they make the biggest difference between a four yard run and a touchdown, right? Between a great experience on stage and one that's memorable yeah. and one that I'm just like, dang, it's so hot in here and I'm not even paying attention to the content. Like it, yes. all of these things make the biggest difference in the end. And, at, and you know, the more you learn about them, the more you have understanding for them, preparation, and like, oh, yeah, it gets you in a situation where now you're able to kind of control the narrative of what goes on and the result yes. comes and it's usually advantageous. Yeah. 
and and look at how Austin's nerding out with me about something as stupid as heat. Yeah. And here's the, if you're listening to this, you're either annoyed by this and saying, what does it have to do with the event? Or what does this have to do with the podcast? Or you're going, oh my God, that's so fascinating. I hope you fall on the fascinating part when he's talking about one technique and fight. I don't know what the hell he's talking about, but I'm going, that is the coolest thing ever. Because I know that there's a bunch of knowledge behind what that one technique, five technique, three technique means. But you got to be that way about your business. What are those little things that you can geek out about that are going to give you the minor advantages? Because it's not any one of those that's going to create the advantage. It's the stacking of two to 300 of those on top of each other that gives you an unshakable and in, un, an, in, an, a sustainable competitive advantage when somebody can't get up to speed with all of these little changes that all amount to something that's massive. I love it, man. I love, I love how you are, you're so much more than football, brother. Like you are, and, and, and that's not to downplay what football is because that is such an elite, iconic thing that you're doing and you're gonna go down as one of the greats. But I'm watching you and I wanna go back to this. We talked about like you're putting in work on the fields. You grew up on a farm. You weren't supposed to be in the NFL. You accidentally got there because of your hard work and all of the intangible factors. But talk to me about your work ethic on the field and, it's, and off the field because you're in season and doing podcasts. Tell me about yeah. what that means to you. That yeah, off the field effort. It, it's, it's, it goes deeper than, than podcasts, but we'll get to that in a second. And the reason I say I accidentally made it to the NFL was is not necessarily because I didn't want to make it. Like, absolutely, I got the opportunity and I, I went for it. But it was because making it to the NFL was a result of the efforts that I was putting in. And for me, back in college, where you get recruited from, I had an opportunity to play football to help pay for my school. As I mentioned, my mom, single, single teacher, two kids, not going to be able to pay for college. So Austin, you got to get a scholarship. Mm. And I, I went to a Division II school, no full rides at Division II school. So if you want to increase your scholarship, you got to get all conference. You got to get academic, all American. So it's time to play football at a high level to make sure I'm getting accolades. But it's also time to make sure I'm doing what I can in the classroom to make sure that I'm getting uh, more scholarship money for there and get an opportunity to use my brain to get out into the world and get an opportunity to have some type, some type of opportunity to go for myself. I didn't know what it was going to be. And that's why I say I accidentally made it because I ended up, you know, being so hyper-focused on making sure I was doing well in those two categories, uh, my education and, and football, where I played football to the, to the level where my coach comes to me after my junior year is like, you have some scouts actually like talk, thinking about, you know, coming and recruiting you. And I'm like, wow. who? Cause I've never seen a scout on campus before. I'm at a division two in the mountains. Like we got a bunch of ski bums and, you know, hikers and hunters. Like this is not a sports school at all. Like there's 2,300 students. I know everybody on campus. Like, oh, what's up, Susie? Oh, it's like, I know everybody. It's like a high school, you know? And so when I'm going to school, like I'm, I'm, I know I'm like, okay, NFL, that's not, we don't talk about it in the locker room. I'm not seeing guys in front of me go. So that's why I say I accidentally made it, but right. it was, it was on accident, but it was, like I said, a result of the work that I was putting in. Cause I, I lived in the weight room. I lived in the yeah. weight room. I put people around me that also cared about it that much as far as wanting to be better. And I, I'll share a story too, actually just kind of how intense I was with, with my dedication to football. It was my freshman year. We only had four seniors on the team, my freshman year. And so what does that tell you? They didn't only draft or they don't only hire recruit four seniors. It means everyone either quit or transferred. 
And wow. usually a class is like 25, 25 guys. And so there's only four left. And we go on our first away game. I ended up earning the, the starting role my, my freshman year. And we go on our first away game. And I just came from a program where I ran for four or five or like five or six touchdowns a game. We didn't lose. And wow. we're we're on the road and people are on their phones and meetings. People are messing around at our dinners where it's supposed to be serious. And I'm looking around. I'm like, what is this? And there's no senior leadership, none of that. My offensive coordinator gets up in front of the room before we uh, go like into our, our hotel uh, uh, rooms. And he's like, hey, does anyone have anything else to say? And I was like, I got to say something. And I got up in front of the room. And I remember I was a freshman. I was tearing up because I was like, I don't know what I need to say, but I need to say something. And so I get up there and I'm so nervous. And I'm like, you guys are treating this like a vacation. Like I'm here to win a game and pe- too many people are messing around. And I remember I start, I start like tearing up, but I'm trying to hold it back because I'm so just – mad that people aren't taking this seriously because it was more than a game to me yeah Um, this was an opportunity to to build something for my life and since that point i became a a team captain and that that same energy and intensity stayed with me through my entire career and then where we're getting that moment though let's look at that moment like that because so like we we talk about defining moments right so here you are in essence nobody yeah, yeah. In, in the football world, right? Yeah. You're D school, D one, D two school in the middle of nowhere in Colorado, and people say, "Well, yeah, if I was like that, I could lead too." So, no, 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 no. You were a leader before you are who you are now, and it's in those defining moments where you're you're a freshman. Mm-hmm. There is no leadership, so he decided, "Well, I better lead," and comes up trembling, in tears, but speaks from his heart, passion, not worried about what people think. And magically, a leader arises. And in that moment of choice that you chose to follow your heart, your heart, your gut, all of it, you realized, okay, this is, I guess, what was needed. And what did that lead to? I mean, because it had to be in a, kind of this defining Man, moment. I, look, the way you just broke it down is like, mm, like that. That really hit me, hit me home uh, there. Um, but I mean, think what about if, what if you didn't? Like, let's go back. Like, what if you wouldn't have done that? What would have been the domino effect afterwards? That's why that's really touching to me, the way you broke it down there. Like, that, that gets me. Like, I'm so proud of that that version of myself, you know? Like, mm. I, If you're listening to this, because I want this, my, my podcast, I want it to be more than just listening to a great conversation, which I, I, I love listening to and I will continue. But I want you to take something from this. It's you will not define your life in moments that are easy. It's just it. Defining moments aren't easy. They are, they are, you're not going to wait for it to be okay. No one's going to give you permission to do these things. You have to be able to, when you're scared and no one else is doing it, it's like a lighthouse. The storm is on, shine. Most people, when the storm is on, they run and hide or they hide amongst the group. And you have to be willing, if you believe something, to have that courage to step up in risk failure, risk ridicule, risk embarrassment, all of those things. And if you're willing to go through the fire, you might find something at the other end. And let me give you one more philosophical thought on this. Think about like folklore and, and fantasy, you know, this, the like fairy tales. What was, what was the most feared thing in all fairy tales? Think like, about like Lord of the Rings. Like the evil, like the darkness. Like... More, more than that, even more than that. Something that flied through the air and breathed fire. Ah, dragons, yes. A dragon. It was the most feared, right? The dragon was the most feared. What did the dragon always hoard? Gold. Gold. So think about that. What do we want most in life? The gold. What do we fear most in life? The dragon. To get 
that what we'd most want in life, you have to face what you most fear in life. I think I think it's relevant because um, because um, of the tattoo. Oh shoot! If you're not you listening to this, he's he's got a dragon. Is that a dragon? Yeah, that's a dragon that's tattoo a dragon. right on his. Yes. Oh man. It's okay. So, it, it represents my inner beast. Oh. So <laughs> that was so that hits deep. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, but think about that to, to get that, what you want most, you have to face what you fear most. And here you faced all that's the dragon. You, that moment that you faced that dragon that day in that locker room to stand up led to the journey of getting that, which you desire the most. And how many times and how many dragons have you had to face and how many people are you the dragon for? Ooh, 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 <laughs> ooh, yeah. ooh. <laughs> Yeah, now yeah, now we're talking. If I'm on Go defense, you're the dragon. I got to take you down because everything I want, if I can be the guy that takes you down, then I get everything that I want. If I'll take it even a step further. If if you're in my running back room, I am your dragon. You Ooh. have to try to you have to try to take my job. Yeah. That's not going to be easy for you cuz I'm <laughs> relentless. So if you're trying to take my job, you know, you either better get lucky or you better bring something that, you know, I'm not and that's going to be tough. There's levels to that. I love, I Sweet. love that man. Love it. So there's even, there's even, you can go even further that I'm going to butcher this story, but the story of Moses, when, when he was leading the Jews out of exile and they were, they were traveling and they were all being attacked by the serpents. And they told Moses, they said, can you talk to your God and tell him to get rid of these serpents? And he's like, well, I'll do what I can. And he goes on the mountain, he prays to God and he says, you know, can, can you help us with these serpents? And cause everybody's scared of them. Right. And he said, no, I can't. I said, but I want you to take your staff and I want you to stick it in the ground and it will become a serpent. And I need everybody to look it in the face. And this is a butchering of the story. So what happened was, is he did it and the people were scared, but those that were finally able to face the serpent, they went away. And so it's that story that kind of follows all the time that you have to face that which you fear the most to find your freedom. Wow. And, and yeah, that's wow. deep, man. I love it. So, so going back to, to, to what you were saying, that defining moment for you was one of the many defining moments, but did that lead to other things? Like you, you said, I stepped up here and it worked. Whew. What did yeah. that lead to? Well, I became a team captain. So that was like a badge of responsibility and a badge of respect from then on. And kind of throughout the years, every single year I was voted a team captain. And then I also became this, this pillar of, of what to do, how to do it, how to work, like watch Austin. Like I am the, poster child of what you're supposed to do for these people. And it's because I was in the weight room all the time. I'm getting my studies in. I'm making sure I'm in the library. I'm like, my GPA is one of the highest on the team because I'm obsessed with this thing because I know this is what's going to lead to my next thing. And I, I don't know what it's going to be, but I know there's something that's coming from me having right this experience and knowledge that I'm building in college. And it ended up eventually leading to me becoming a leader and bringing other people along my group that started to go to the, the weight room with us extra because we're division two our o-line coach is the strength coach like he's just guys just putting together <laughs> random stuff you know it's like all right yeah. thanks thanks coach we'll try this workout and so we're not getting the proper workouts i'm going extra but i think where it really where it really showed kind of the payoff at the end um as, as far as how we were connected was we graduated with 25 seniors that year my senior year well we started with four Oh, wow. And we graduated 25. We all stuck it through, man. And we freaking grinded and we were together. And I was kind of that sticky, like pillar of our leadership of my senior mm -hmm. year. 
of my my class that came in together and came along and went through through the process together. So I think that was kind of a result of of not just me. Obviously, there's others along that journey, but I think I was a, a pivotal part within that that journey in through college of kind of turning a program around. Now they're you know they're ranked. Now they're actually on the map as far as football in the D two space. And so it was a pretty special time that led to you know, getting into the NFL. And then you asked, this all stemmed from you asking me, you know, why I do what I do off the field and like, you know, why, why, you, why football? Like, what does it matter? As I said, football was a result. And so not only does football, my, my football journey benefit from my, you know, processes of going forward, but so does my off the field stuff and my knowledge still stays with me. And I still have that passion to continue to build and grow and that's why i have my foundation right that's why i have my app my fantasy shows restaurant like podcast it you know newsletters giveaways all this discord channels the the list goes on of all the things that i've been building and it all has stemmed from the capabilities that i've been building up for myself and i think you know in in general we think of athletes as really good at football or really good at their sport and that's really it cuz maybe their character hasn't caught up with their excellence in their one field and they're not able to sustain other things even though they have they have the the details the makeup to do other things but they don't have the capabilities to expand or maybe even the want to to expand into other things and because I came from a place where I wasn't focused solely on football I used the same characteristics that make me good at football for other different journeys in my my path. And they've been able to progress pretty far as well because of that. Because when you break down successful people in life, a lot of the principles that they live by are very similar. Hmm. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I just, I love the, listening to you. You don't know you're talking to a, a professional football player. You sound like you're talking to a, a businessman, a professional and an elite, and it can apply to anything. And I, that's why I think it's so, it's so fun to hear you talk this way. And let me ask you a crazy different question mm-hmm. and kind of talked about it before. And I, I'm really curious to hear your answer. What does football mean to you? Ooh, ooh, this is one that's interesting because I think it's changed over time as I've become more mature and have increased my capabilities. I'll elaborate on that. When I was a rookie, this was an opportunity for me to find an excess amount of capital. I can go make money playing football. Like that was what I thought value was. And I was going to go make a bunch of money and I was going to become a millionaire. It's continuing to progress. Like I said, my capabilities learning. I really started learning about real estate first, which started to really progress my entrepreneurial journey. And I started to under, have an understanding of relationships and communication and community and I had I started a fan I had a fan base that was growing, and I started to realize that there was other things that were positives that I could use to create value, and that value was not just money. And it took me a couple years to realize that because I needed to mature and be around it, and to actually think about it in a different sense. Where it's like people think like let's use fantasy football for an example. Most NFL players hate fantasy football. Why? Because it doesn't give them any sort of short-term monetization right away. (laughs) But guess what? There are hundreds of thousands of people that play, millions of people that play fantasy football. And guess what? They are picking you as a player. They care about you as a person. They don't care about the logo that you play for, but they care about you. 
And so this is an opportunity for you to put yourself in front of hundreds of thousands of people. You might not get money from it right away, but you can get connections. You can get right. You can build your fan base that can lead to other things. You can get opportunities. You can sell merch. You can start a podcast. You can do all of these other things. But if you don't see the value within that because it's not money, like I was chasing my rookie year, then you're going to miss these things. So what has football meant to me? Well, football has meant to me. It's been different. But at the core, football has meant to me a, a massive opportunity that I have to build my capabilities around to continue to extract these things. So as a football, it's it's this it's like its own earth. And, you know, if you don't have an oil rig, you can't get the oil out of the earth. Right. If you don't have yeah. if you don't have a car, it's hard for you to get around the, oil, the earth. Mm. However, if you continue to expand your capabilities, if I learn how to communicate, if I learn how to network, if I learn how to, you know, capture a community to podcast, to you know, learn these skills, I can navigate and I can extract so many things from my NFL earth. And so that's what it's become for me. It's become this just huge ball of just like, whoa. And mm. it's, it's driving me crazy. Like Renee, it's driving me crazy because I understand it like fully now. And so yeah. now I'm frantically trying to continue to build my my team around me to be able to maintain these opportunities and then also build myself so that I can get more out of them. You know, they're, they're, it's like, like I said, if you don't have an oil rig, you, can, you don't even know oil's in the ground. So I got to yeah. go learn about different <laughs> things so that I can pull these things out of the NFL. You know, I'm learning about insurance and stuff. And I'm getting connected through insurance and in NFL. Like, well, I didn't ever know that was going to be a thing, you know, but now I'm uh, learning about it. And so it's like all of these different things. So that's what the NFL means to me. I, I love this. I want to have this conversation. A good good buddy of mine, we played uh, high school basketball together. He went off to uh, play at the University of Minnesota, took him to the Final Four, and played uh, a bunch of years in, in the NBA, John Thomas. And, and he was uh, the VP of player development at the Timberwolves. And he and I would, would talk and he said, Renee, he goes, how many players, you know that there's 200, I think it was 257 people have worn a Timberwolves jersey. And I was like, wow. He goes, how many can you name? And I'm like, well, you've got, and I started naming, I'm like, shit, not, not that many. And he goes, isn't that crazy? He goes, but here's the funny thing. If you're on that bench, even if you're last on that bench, you could pick up the phone and you could call the CEO of US Bank. Let's say you, and you don't even have playing time. But you're on the bench, you're on the team, and you might only get a year and a half, but you're on there. You could call that CEO and say, hey, I'm so-and-so playing on the Timberwolves. Oh my God, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm thinking about learning about investment banking. What do you got? He goes, well, why don't you come on my private jet and I'll take you, uh, I got a couple of meetings coming up, I'll put you with my main guy. You can just watch and sit in on meetings. Because you're on the team, you have those open doors anywhere you want. The moment you're off the team, try to make that phone call. Well, I used to play at the Timberwolves. Okay, great. Well, why don't you submit an application to the HR? So if you have that opportunity and you watch the rookies walk in, they put their hoodies on, they put your earbuds in, and they, they, they cover their eyes and they walk in, and they don't, it's almost like the, the, the fans are the fourth wall in TV. You'd never look at the camera. Well, you never look at the fans. That fourth wall is never broken. And they sit there, and he goes, he's been trying to, and he, was, he does such a good job of this. He's saying, you're trying to get my players to stay 15 minutes after the game. Go to center court. Take some of the kids' center court. Take some selfies. And you're at Target Field or Target Stadium or U.S. Bank Stadium. Tag U.S. Bank. Do that for a few games. And then you're sitting in front of somebody else. Tag a couple other brands. And watch how next time they want to do a signing and they got a $5,000, $10,000 budget, they call you to show up. And now you're not on the team. If you've done this enough, you've built a fan base, 
when you get off the bench, the crowd screams because you broke the fourth wall and you build a connection with them. And like I watched, and, and I'm not a huge LeBron fan because I was a Michael Jordan guy, but it, but I respect the hell out of LeBron. But one of the things that he used to do really well is he'd break that fourth wall. He'd go in there, I remember, land in someone's lap and he'd look at them, he'd, he'd take a piece of popcorn and he'd eat it and thanks, you know, and you know he'd pick up somebody that he knocked over and he wasn't afraid to engage. And I think that that process of, being able to break that fourth wall was there, but now you're taking to the whole nother level of realizing, and I love this analogy that it's earth and there's abundant resources. And most people think you just have to live on earth, just live in the NFL. No, there's oil there, but to get to the oil of the NFL, you have to learn these skill sets to be able to drill down. It's not just beyond the team. You have to leverage all the things that this is a sports. There's merchandise. Your salary is paid by the things that people pay for and the revenue that's driven by that. And you understand the vehicle that supports this. And it is money and reality. But the fan base drives purchases. And if you can drive popularity, well, fantasy football, it's fantasy. I mean, you're de dealing at the core of what people want to be. And you're saying, I'm going to put myself right on the cover of that magazine, which you did. Put me on there. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I've my, my two kids we were here and they come in and you're talking to them and they both couldn't wait to have you on their team. They're fighting over how do they get Austin on the fantasy football team. And you're ingrained in their head for the rest of their lives. And because you're understanding that it's not just football, it's all of the things that go with it. And so when we talk about, so what does this mean to you? Because none of us listening, most of us here aren't going to be in professional football or any professional sports. It's looking at the opportunity that you're playing, whether it be social media is also that earth. How do you get the most out of that? Uh, whether it be the job that you're in, how do you manage? And I mean, listen to, to Austin. He's talking about bringing information to his coach to become more valuable and building a trusting relationship versus just doing his plays and sitting down. There's all of this ancillary value that's continually being added to separate himself from the best, but from the rest and also making him better. I mean, I'm there's so much value here for business in in any business and anything you're talking about here. And I hope if you're listening to this and you need a speaker, bring this guy, bring him there. Thank you, thank you. He he is going to be. I'm bringing him to every event that I can going forward. I mean, period. You like I told you, brother. You have an open invitation. There isn't a person that would be upset if you showed up and offered some that. of this knowledge. I appreciate well that. Well Thank you. So let's close this out. One, I could talk to you for hours. And one, thank you for, for making the time. So two, what would you say to the listeners here? Now, these are people that aren't playing professional football. Would you say is the one thing you want them to take away from everything we talked about here? Uh, well, yeah, this is, this is something that I've, I've always kind of thrown around because we talked about a lot of my key principles. And the thing is, none of them are easy. And so that's because I think people are like, oh, I want like the easy takeaway from you know the principles so that I can start applying it. And none of them, the thing is, they're not easy. It's not easy. Here's the thing: they're simple. They're simple, but it's not easy. There's a, there's so many. Um, like a couple off the top of my head. One is like reevaluate what you consider value. Mm. Like I think your skills are more valuable than you actually take give them credit for. Like your skills to be able to communicate, to you know, be organized, to show up on time, to learn about your coworkers, those types of skills, your experience, the things that you've done. So reevaluate your skill and understand that the real skill of your own character is what can drive a lot of opportunities in the future. And if you focus on building yourself, that can that can drive a lot of opportunities that you may not have even thought you could have had in the future. Another one was to make sure you're planting seeds. 
Um, mm. And what I what I mean by planting seeds is that you might see something and might be like, wow, I'm so far away from that. Um, and you might not, for me, I didn't even know I wanted to get to the NFL, but I didn't realize I was plant. I planted that seed a long time ago when I was building fences and that seed was learning how to work hard. And so the seeds that you can just continue to plant every single day are like, okay, let me, let me learn about something. Like, just go learn about something. And then right with a seed, you give it a little bit of water. You don't have to, it doesn't need a ton of water. It needs a drop, a little drop here and there. And you give a little bit of interest um, to this thing. So it's not like fully committing or anything like that, but you're at least being active. You're planting seeds and you do that with a few different things. And so what are you doing? You're learning about yourself. Do I like this? Do I want to give this more interest? Now I want to put some fertilizer in there, right? Now I want to put it in a pot, right? Now, okay, now I want this to be a full tree because I'm fully invested, right? You start with the little different things. Like I started a streaming company one time because I wanted to connect with fans a little bit more and i was like streaming eight people at a time eight like just a small seed hey if you guys want to come ask me questions come ask me questions i'm going to practice speaking play some games with you guys planted a small seed turned eventually turned into a whole streaming company called gridiron gaming group we had a bunch of athletes and we did like super bowl <laughs> and stuff like that it started as a tiny seed another yeah. example i started learning about real estate i wanted to get into uh real estate but was learning about real estate, wanted to get into it because I was looking for a passive you know, income stream, which then I realized that doesn't exist. You, you, you have to do the work up front or during the time. And a lot of time it's up front and during. But uh, anyway, so I was learning about real estate and started to be able to talk the language just because I was watching so many videos on YouTube about it. I wasn't even an expert by any means, but I got on a call with a house flipper because I wanted to see how, how they were flipping houses. I, I called one up uh, in Colorado. I had a buddy that knew a house flipper. I was like, I just want to call and, and talk to him and was talking to him. I could speak the language because I had been watching videos and then we built a, we built a relationship over a few years of time. I actually ended up buying some houses from him. And then now we have our own real estate fund together. And it was just tiny seeds. I was just learning. I was watching YouTube videos, but I was Plant, I was proactive in planting seeds. So plant seeds and to continue to evaluate your character values um, and increase those. So those are the two things. I, I love it, man. Well, you're, you're a gem, brother. I appreciate it. I look forward to continuing these conversations. To find you, what are the best ways to find you? Yeah, you can find me on, on Instagram, which is really where most of my stuff is. Uh, you can find me on, on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it now, because that's Elon changed the name, uh, but at, at Austin Eckler. So if you want to check out Wonderful. any of my stuff, but yeah, I, I appreciate you too, Renee, like just following you and, and the respect that I've seen that people have for you and then just following your content too. I'm like, this guy genuinely cares about people, wants to help people in the right step. And I think the things you're putting out there are also truly amazing, man. So I want to want to give that love back to you as well. I appreciate you, man. Well, it's been an honor to have you on here. I will put all the links in the in the uh, show notes. Austin, brother, you have a beautiful career ahead of you, and I'm thank so you. looking forward to being front seat cheering you on. Thanks for being on. That. Yes, thank you, Renee. Appreciate you, man. Take care. Thank you for sharing this time with us. If the experience resonated with you, follow us on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or AmplifyMyLife.com. Share it with anyone else who's ready to amplify their lives. And remember to let our hearts speak in sequence. For more from Renee Rodriguez, visit MeetRenee.com.